Well, good morning, church. My name is Luke Proctor, Associate Preaching Minister here, and it's, uh, it's good to be together this morning. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Exodus chapters 3 and 4. Exodus is back in the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament. It's the second book in. We did chapters 1 and 2 last week. We'll be in 3 and 4 this week. Heard about a couple, uh, two old couples sitting out on the front porch one summer evening, just shooting the breeze. One old fella says to the other, you know... Took my wife out to a great steakhouse last week. I mean, service was fast, prices were reasonable, steak was juicy. Best steakhouse I've ever been to. The other guy says, really? Well, what's the name of the place? Oh, shoot, I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh, doggone it. No, mine's not as sharp as it used to be, you know. Say, uh, say what's, what's the name of those flowers with the thorns, the ones that smell real pretty? Uh, Rose? Yeah, that's right. Say, Rose, what's the name of that place I took you last week? <laughs> It's important to remember names, and so today we're going to learn some names. You should have gotten a name tag on your seat when you came in today. Just hold on to that. We're not going to fill it out just yet, but we'll come back to it a little later, because today I want us to learn two names, two names. Last week, Steve kicked off the series, and we met a guy named Moses. Moses was one of God's people. He was a Hebrew, born into slavery in Egypt, but through a turn of events, this little slave baby gets adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and he grows up as the prince of Egypt. He grows up playing in the palace while the rest of his people are slaves, but he always remembered that he was a Hebrew. And so one day Moses sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, and Moses thinks that this is, this is his great moment when he's going to deliver his people. And so he kills the Egyptian. But instead of it being this great moment of deliverance, Moses is a murderer now. He ends up having to flee the country, run for his life 300 miles across the desert, and he spends the next 40 years of his life tending sheep. The first 40 years of his life, he was on top of the world in the palace, and then the next 40 years, he's on the bottom of the world in the pasture, and that's where he is when we meet him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So when we catch up with Moses, he's a weather-beaten, washed-up, 80-year-old man. He doesn't even have his own flock of sheep. He's tending his father-in-law's sheep. Talk about failure to launch. This guy is a joke. But then comes the biggest moment of Moses' life in the middle of the desert on an ordinary day. Verses 2 through 5 says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. <laughs> Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So Moses is just on an ordinary day looking around for some green patches of grass for his sheep to munch on when all of a sudden this shrubbery just kind of spontaneously combusts and bursts into flames. And as if that wasn't enough to freak him out, all of a sudden the bush starts talking to him. Except it wasn't the bush talking, it was God. God says, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. You know that God that your mama told you about as a kid, Moses? That's me. And Moses is terrified, understandably, but God goes on. He says more, verses 7 through 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God says here, he says, I've seen my people, I've seen their suffering, I've heard their cries, and I'm going to rescue my people, I'm going to free them from their bondage, I'm going to bring them into a good land, I'm here to set my people free. And this is the best news that Moses has ever heard in his entire life. Wouldn't you love to hear God say that? If your desk at work just burst into flame all of a sudden and God spoke to you out of the flaming desk, and he said, I'm here, I've not forgotten you. And I'm going to deliver your friend from that terrible situation that they're in. And I'm going, to, I'm going to heal your family. And I'm going to reform the government. And I'm going to end poverty in this community. I'm here and I'm going to set you free. And then if God said that to me, I'd be thinking, yes, Lord, finally, let's go. But then God says the most amazing, terrifying thing in verse 10. He says, so now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, we might be tempted here to think that Moses, the great big bearded Bible hero guy, would respond, yes, my Lord, wherever thou leadest me, I shall follow. But instead, Moses responds probably a lot like you or I would. He says, wait, 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 what? <laughs> I thought you said you were coming down. What's all this about me going and confronting Pharaoh? You know, what if God's answer to the brokenness in the world is us. What if God's answer to the conflict in your family and the drama in your workplace and the unbelief in your neighborhood is you? What if today God's calling your name? What if, if we took a moment to turn aside from our routine like Moses did and we took a few minutes just to listen to God's voice as Moses did, maybe, just maybe, we'd hear him call us to meet the need in front of us. So that's what I want to do here this morning. Would you bow with your heads with me? Let's, let's pray. Let's listen to God's voice for a minute. Lord, I ask that you would in this moment lay apart, lay upon each heart in this room a call. Call our name, Lord. Bring to mind right now the hurt of a friend, the struggle of a family member, pain of a co-worker, the conflict in a relationship, the unbelief in a neighbor. God, I ask that you call each person in this room today and you make that call very clear. Call our name because we really believe that we, through Jesus, are your answer to the brokenness of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Make no mistake, when you're a follower of Jesus, he will call you. And when God calls you, you need to remember two names. The first name you need to remember is this. Remember his name. Because when God calls Moses, that's what Moses asks. Verses 13 and 14, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? And what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So this is the first name that we need to remember. His name, God's name, I am. 
And in his name, I am, God is saying, I am present, I am active, I am here, I am the center of everything, I am running the show, I am the same, yesterday, today, and forever, I am eternally existent, continually self-sustaining, like the bush that burns perpetually before you. I am creator and sustainer of life, owner of everything, king over all the petty kings of earth. I am the author of existence, the origin of nature, the sustainer of science, the commander of the cosmos. I am inexhaustible in my goodness. I am immeasurable in my power. I am unquenchable in my wisdom. I am God. Everything you lack, everything that you are not, I am, God says. Remember that name. And actually, in the Gospels, we see that Jesus, over and over again, goes to great lengths to tell us that he is that God. So the same God who spoke to Moses at the burning bush is the same God who was born in the manger, walked on the water, died on the cross, and rose from the grave. Jesus says it over and over again, I am. John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9, I am the gate. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 5, I am the vine. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. Remember that? name because you don't need a burning bush church when you are baptized the presence of the living God I am God Almighty lives in you I am is with you and his name is Jesus and when Jesus is with you a storm or a fight or a problem or a confrontation with Pharaoh himself is a perfectly safe place for you to be I am is with you remember that name but even then, when God calls Moses, Moses is scared, and he tries to weasel his way out of answering God's call by giving five excuses. Here's the first excuse he gives, verse 11, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Anybody use that excuse before? Who am I? I'm a nobody. I have nothing to offer. And when Moses is beating himself up, God does not say, oh, cheer up, Moses. You're special and important. You'll do great. Here's a participation trophy. <laughs> No, when Moses says, I'm a nobody, God just says, verse 12, he says, but I'll be with you. Listen, church, I don't care if you're 85 or if you're 25. I don't care if you're super talented or if you're super average. I don't care if you've been a Christian your whole life or if this is your first week. When God's with you, you're unstoppable. So whatever he's calling you to do, do it. But Moses keeps going, excuse number two, verse 13. But Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? So Moses is saying, hey, what do I say? I don't know where to start. I don't have all the answers. Anybody used that one before? I can't tell them about Jesus. I don't know all the big words. I'm not very good at talking. What if they ask me a question that I can't answer? And you know what God says to Moses and to us? He says, just tell them about me. Tell them what I've done in your life. I'll tell you what to say. I'll take care of the rest. Just tell them about me. You don't have to have all the right answers. But Moses has more excuses up his sleeve. Chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses answered, this is excuse number 3. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Anybody use that excuse before? 
But Lord, what if they think I'm nuts? What if they think I'm crazy? What if they don't believe me? And God says to that, verses two through five, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. (laughs) Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. So Moses was like, but God, what if, what, what if they think I'm crazy? What if I'm, they, they think I'm nuts? What if they don't believe? And God says, look, Moses, that's not up to you. That part's up to me. You just tell them. I'll take care of the rest. By the way, what do you got there in your hand? Uh, staff and the sheep run away and stuff. Throw it on the ground. You mean throw this on the ground? Yes. Why? Do it. <laughs> So Moses throws the staff on the ground and immediately it becomes a real live, slithery, slimy proof of the existence of evil snake. And then God, who has a wonderful sense of humor, says, hey Moses, come back here. Because he ran away just like you or I would. Pick it up. (laughs) By the tail. Amazingly, Moses does it and he reaches out and as soon as he touches that snake, instead of biting him, turns back into a staff. And God says, this miracle, this is so they'll believe. You just tell them the believing part's on me. It's just our job to tell them. But Moses still has more excuses up his sleeve. He keeps going. Excuse number four, chapter four, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. In other words, God, I don't talk too good. (laughs) I don't know, maybe Moses had a stutter, maybe his Egyptian was just rusty after 40 years in the desert with the sheep, but whatever it was, Moses felt unqualified. He felt not good enough. And I know I've used that excuse too, maybe you have. God, God, I've got too rough of a past. God, I'm not that good at thinking on my feet. I'm not, I don't know all the words. God, God, I don't have what it takes. And God says to Moses and to you, verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So God says to us, hey, I made you and I'm good enough to use you just the way you are. So just go. But Moses has one more excuse, number five. Verse 13, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Maybe today that's you. Maybe you're not answering God's call on your life because you're hoping if you just wait long enough, he'll call somebody else's name. But God's calling your name. So what would your life look like if you actually put away the excuses and answer God's call? Maybe your life would look like David Ring. David Ring is a great preacher. He's hilarious. You should go look him up after this. But if you've ever heard David Ring preach, you know that he's very difficult to understand because David Ring has cerebral palsy. When David Ring preaches, and please understand, I say this in absolutely no way to mock him. I just want you to understand what he sounds like. David Ring sounds like this. My name is David Ring. Every word is a labor for him, but his testimony is powerful. 
Because when David Ring was a boy, he lost not just one, but both of his parents to cancer. And growing up with cerebral palsy, you can imagine what the other kids at school said to him. Oh, you walk funny. You talk funny. And David Ring says that when he was 14 years old, he was so discouraged, so despairing, that even though he was a believer, he was trying to take his own life. And he committed, attempted to commit suicide many times. And he was, as he was laying there in his bedroom in the dark one night, 14 years old, thinking about how he might commit suicide, all of a sudden God came to him and God spoke to him, not out loud, but in his own heart. And God said to him, David, David, I love you. I made you and you are special. In fact, David, I have a purpose for you. I want you to be a preacher. And David said he talked back to God, but God, I walk funny. I talk funny. And God said, that's okay, David, because I'll be with you. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. And so in an act of faith, David obeyed. He went to Bible college and he became a preacher and now he has literally traveled all over the world preaching to hundreds of thousands of people. He's seen thousands of people make decisions for Jesus underneath his preaching. One of my favorite stories about David Ring, one time he and another preacher were crossing the border. They were going up into Canada and they got to the border and the customs agent was just being really gruff with this other preacher. What do you have in that box? Tapes? He had some tapes of his sermons that he was gonna sell. How many? I don't know. Well, count them up. So the guy was just being really, really rude. Well, finally, uh, the, the customs agent let him go, and, and both of the preachers got across the border. And when they did, the other preacher says to David Ring, wow, that guy really got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, didn't he? Yes, said David Ring. He was grumpy. <laughs> David Ring said that when he got up to the border, the customs agent looked at him and said, what do you have in that box? Videotapes. He had some videotapes of his sermons that he was going to sell. Well, how many do you have? I don't know. Well, count them up. David Ring says there's like 100 people standing behind him in line at this point. And then David Ring says, Suddenly, my handicap got worse. Wink, wink. I started to count. One, two, three. The man screamed at me. What's wrong with you? I said, hey, now you made me lose count. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and David Ring goes through life with this big sense of humor and this, this courage and this fierce joy. And is that because he's so strong? No. It's because he has a great big God who's always with him. And when David Ring preaches, oftentimes he'll close his message by asking this question. He'll say, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? Listen, church, I don't really care what your problem is today. <laughs> I don't care what excuses you're making. You have a great big God who's always with you, so you can answer the call. Remember that name. 
But when God calls you, we also have to remember another name, not just remember his name, but you have to remember your name too. Louis Giglio says that in Exodus chapter three, Moses not only learned God's name, he also learned his own name because if God's name is I am, if he's the one who's all powerful, all capable, in control, then I am not. Moses knew that, you can hear him say it. I'm not eloquent, I'm not a good speaker, I'm not the right guy. Fact is, most of God's greatest servants started out saying that. Gideon said, I'm not powerful enough. Jeremiah said, I'm not old enough. Jer Abraham said, I'm not young enough. Isaiah said, I'm not holy enough. Mary said, I'm not married enough. And God said, you're right, you're not enough. But I am. And the truth is this morning that all of our names are I am not. So right now, I want you to take out that name tag that was on your seat when you came in here. There should be a pen on the seat back in front of you. And I just want you to write those three words on your name tag. I am not. Hello, my name is I am not. In fact, let's just all say that together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I am not. Now, that's a strange message. <laughs> Some of you might be thinking, hey, preacher, shouldn't you be saying things to inspire us? You know, reach high, dream big, be all you can be. You can do it. No. <laughs> Because the message of scripture isn't find your strength. It's find your weakness. You can't do it. Embrace your limitations and run to the God who can. And people may pat you on the back and they may tell you how wonderful and amazing and talented you are. Don't believe it. We don't give out capes around here. Jesus is the only hero in this room today. And people may knock you down and they may tell you you're a nobody. They might be right, <laughs> but you are a nobody who serves a great big somebody. That's why this sermon series through Exodus is not about us. It's about God, and every week as we go through Exodus, we're going to explore another attribute of who God is, and so this week, we're talking about God's call. So when God calls you, put away the excuses. Remember his name. Remember your name, and you can answer the call because even though you are not, he is. Let's pray. Father, call us now. And we are not able to do it on our own. We're not able to save ourselves, but you are. And we believe that with every fiber of our being. So call us. And we will answer. In the power and the name of your son, amen.